what you like? All aboard and welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Always Be Booked Cruise Cast Show, coming to you not quite live from New York City. We are back. Here we go. Got a great show for you today. We're going to get right into it, but first, quickly, we're going to remind you about the Instagram, Always Be Booked on Instagram, and that growing in popularity, Always Be Booked Cruisers Lounge Ultra Lounge, I should say, on Facebook. It is a group. Join it. You're welcome. On cue, the sirens outside start the minute we start the podcast. But you know what? It's almost like getting to the point where we we need it, right? Like it would be something wrong if they weren't there. Also, reminding you guys about the Patreon account. You go to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N. I think that's what it is, right? Yeah, Patreon uh, and dot com, Patreon.com, and you look for Always Be Booked. We are going to be uh, adding the first interview for members only. I don't know if you guys remember. You have to. If you're a fan of the show, you know who Sony is, and we've talked about Sony a bunch of times. She kind of represents two different eras in my cruise career. She was way back. We had that St. Thomas Day, and then she was the one who missed our cruise and then flew to St. Kitts to meet us. She's a legend. She's a legendary cruiser. She's a legendary fashionista. She has a little blog herself uh, that she has on Instagram or whatever you want to call it. But she's a ton of fun. Really, really good friend. Sony is going to be interviewed and that is going to be a members only. That's a $5 donation or more on patreon.com. Search always be booked when you get there and you will have access to that. All right. Let's get into the cruise news. So we have another man overboard story, ladies and gentlemen, that I really, in this case, don't know if man is applicable. It's more like superhuman. So this crew member fell off the Norwegian getaway and we'll put fell in quotes right now because we don't really know what's going on here uh, at around 3.20 p.m. on Saturday. Uh, it was happened about 30 miles off the coast of Cuba. Uh, the Coast Guard suspended the search. The Coast Guard was looking all over for him. The ship actually turned around, circled Cuba a couple of times or looked around in the area of where, you know, they thought the, you know, the men overboard happened. They eventually moved on. Of course, you know, there's somebody in the water, but hey, we got to get to Cozumel, right? So or wherever we're going. So they did that and they were looking around, but you know, the search, the Coast Guard was looking for the, for the man and they eventually suspended the search when it got too dark. You know, I mean, really these things you guys know, uh, through our conversations and talking on this show that if you're not found within the first couple of hours with every hour, actually with every minute that goes by, the chances of you being uh, found diminish greatly and then the sun's gonna go down forget it so you know what this guy's done he's finished uh they're suspending the search then at about 1 20 p.m on sunday a cabin steward aboard the carnival glory of all cruise ships i'm sorry chris uh, spotted this superhuman in the water with no flotation device and treading water two hours later um it's absolutely out of control. You don't even really understand how this is even possible. And it's just a great story. It's it's a great story. And I, 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 anytime somebody falls overboard, you need to know the backstory. You want to know how that happened. Very, very rarely. I'm not going to say it's impossible, but 
very, very rarely have you ever heard instances where people are kind of minding their own business and then they just fall off of a cruise ship. Now, I was trolling around a little bit on the comments and, you know, there's not a whole lot of updates on this story from what I was looking and it's it looks like this guy um, may have, under the suspicion of some of the people who happened to be on the ship, not that they know, but they're saying it wasn't an accident. He probably was trying to take his own life, which is awful and just awful to think of, you know, what type of pain somebody's going through, you know, to, to do that. But clearly, there was some type of will to live there because this guy is literally paddling himself 22 hours later and like i said was picked up by the carnival glory what an amazing story ladies and gentlemen and uh honestly it's one of my favorite stories i just hope this guy you know what is, what is he gonna do with this now is he gonna how's he gonna look at life now you know not it not i don't know for a fact it was an attempted suicide but you know there are some reports that that was what it was he was in stable condition and while he's getting treated while he's in the you know infirmary what's going through his mind you know what life isn't that bad uh clearly i found something within myself to create the will to live and maybe this is a new start for this gentleman hopefully but uh great job by carnival glory uh norwegian yeah you know you gave it a shot you gave it the old college try and then you had to move on we get it but uh Great job all around and great job to this guy and congratulations uh, on what I would hope to be, uh, from this guy's standpoint, looked at as a rebirth. You know, talking about people going overboard and it's kind of like, I guess, an area of somewhat fascination, not in necessarily anything close to an uplifting way, but, you know, it's just a curious thing. You're on this big, huge cruise ship and sometimes people end up in the water. I guess Laura of Averages is going to tell you that that has to happen here and there when you're talking about so many people at sea. You know, just the the just talking suicide rate alone. It's it's gonna people are gonna want to kill themselves, and sometimes that's the way they're gonna want to go out. Did you guys, by the way, did you guys ever hear about that? And I forgot what it is. I'm I'm the king of giving you vague Netflix references or whatever it was, or maybe it was Hulu. I'm not sure where I saw this, but there was a guy who who made a film. It was a documentary film, and what he did was simply set up a freaking camera about maybe a quarter of a mile away from the Golden Gate Bridge in San Francisco. And he just knew by setting up that camera and leaving it there for a year that what you were going to see is people taking, sometimes succeeding, sometimes failing, uh, attempts at their own life. And sure enough, he left the camera there. And what you saw was fascinating. You saw some people get up there. You saw some people just clearly up there. Like nobody knew they were up there except this one freaking camera. Nobody knew what was going on, but sometimes they jump. Sometimes they die. Sometimes they survive the jump. And sometimes they go up there and they stand up there and they don't jump and they come down. You know, sometimes you just need to be faced with that. Listen, am I really going to do this? And you want to call it chicken and out. You want to call it, you know what? You know, you just rethought the situation, made a business decision here. But, and then there was a couple of people who did attempt. There was a couple. And what he did was seek those people out. Maybe he featured me. I don't know what it was. It was like four of them. It was probably the most depressing thing that you could ever watch on TV. I did fall asleep during it because I, I just happened to put it on when I was tired. And I'm talking like, this is probably like five years ago that I even you know, looked at this thing, but, um, I just remember falling in and out of sleep and waking up and hearing the music and hearing the sad stories. I don't know. Just 
really, it was a weird feeling. Just falling asleep during this and listening to it, sort of conscious, sort of subconscious. What a freaking depressing situation, but not that we want to dwell on so many depressing things here, but... um, just talking about, it's just like a little bit of a fascinating topic. People who actually end up off the side of a cruise ship. So a couple of stats here. 270 people have gone overboard on cruise ships since 2000. Oh, actually, I should say from 2000 to 2016. So that's about 17 per year. So that's like once every three weeks. It's amazing when you think about it. Uh, that that kind of stats like one one set of every three weeks somebody falls off a cruise ship that doesn't mean everybody dies that doesn't mean everybody's on purpose that doesn't mean every whatever but one out of every three weeks somewhere in this world somebody's falling off a cruise ship somewhere uh, the highest number within that period was 27 uh, and that was in f- 2015 so 20 27 people fell off cruise ships in 2015 that would make sense that as the years passed, the number would increase, likely for two reasons. The main reason being that the cruise industry is growing and there's just more people sailing, but also that there is a spike in suicide in general. And I would imagine that that number or whatever would just exponentially rise when you're talking about being at sea. And also the fact that there are more sailings, more ships, and more cruisers, it would make sense that more different types of personalities and more different types of people who otherwise wouldn't cruise. You're talking about 50 years ago, cruising was for the affluent. Cruising was for, you know, people who had, I guess, a lot of money, more more wealthy on the wealthy side. And now it's just become more casual. So anybody and everybody can end up affording to get on a cruise ship if they have to. That's a stretch to say that. But for the most part, most people can round up a couple of dollars and you know save money and get on a cruise once every five years or so. So you're seeing just more different types of personalities be on these ships. And you're kind of uh, seeing that more, unfortunately, in a lot of the wacky other stuff that, you know, the over-excessive drunken people who don't know how to handle themselves at sea unlike me, who's a very refined drunk, clearly, right? Uh, but you're seeing a lot of these fights. And you guys talk, you know, listen to me talk about, you know, on one of the other episodes, don't be that cruise guy. Uh, you don't want to get into fights at sea. You really want to try to avoid getting into fights at sea whatsoever. Any hint of a fight, any area where there could be some sort of a conflict, stay away from it because, uh, A, the rules at sea are completely different. Uh, let's go back to this again too. somebody, I think it was Sid, if I'm not mistaken, posted on the, in the crew and the Facebook, always be booked cruisers, ultra lounge on Facebook. It's going everywhere. You see it in all the groups. They're in the Bahamas. It's a family. It's a kid. It's, you know, the Bahama, you know, whatever the, the shore excursion crew, like three Jamaican guys or whatever it is with Bahama guys, they're hanging out. I just, that was kind of ignorant, right? To lump the Jamaicans in with the Bahamas. I do apologize. I'll, I'll release my formal apology tomorrow. Um, so they're at sea and they're whatever they're, I guess the blast glass bottom boat, or they're just looking, observing some aquatic wildlife, enjoying it. Everybody seems to be enjoying it. And there's just one, I mean, just incorrigible, incorrigible teenager there with his parents. I don't know, guys. Call me a skeptic at heart. I don't say that this wasn't fake. I don't even know that this, but if this was real, because, you know, this kid was just the most exaggerated version of just a dickhead kid. And if this kid was the real deal, 
I mean, this is the biggest asshole you'll ever see on the internet, or one of them, that, that doesn't kill anybody. So it was almost just too good of a setup. I have a suspicion that it's fake, but the kid is, uh, you know... Saying, I want to catch the fish. I don't want to, I don't care about looking at the fish. I don't care about learning about the fish. I paid my money and I want to catch the fish. They said, like, Well, we don't catch the fish here. We're just looking at the fish. No, I want to catch them. I want to catch. He goes, like, right, Calm down. Don't tell me to calm down. Don't tell. I want to catch fish. And he's like moving his way towards. And then the crew just starts to give him gentle hints. Buddy, buddy, you know, hey, man, you know, there ain't no cops out here. <laughs> What are you talking about? There's no cops out here. That sounds like a threat. Are you threatening me? And I'm kind of giving the short version, but it elongates for a while. The parents are kind of trying to calm the kid down, but clearly they've never really stepped in and ever really given this kid any discipline. So the kid finally does calm down. The dad's saying, hey, man, you're, you're this is, these guys are the captains. You do what they say. I don't do what I say. I pay. I do whatever. He, so now he's sitting on the bow and just kind of hanging out, still in his temper tantrum, uh, almost kind of like just belligerently going off on the captains uh and then the, the jamaican or bohemian guys decide that you know what this guy's gonna go for a swim so he grabs him by the feet and just simply flips him back and he's in the water and the dad freaks out saying he doesn't know how to swim clearly everybody's fine we all got life preservers on so the dad jumps in and uh you know the video ends there but I don't know, it just seems a little too perfect. The kid was so much of an asshole that the character wasn't so believable. And then the fact that the uh, you know the, the shore excursion operators had the gumption and the wherewithal to just simply take this kid with one quick motion and throw him in the water. Could be real, could not be real. I'm kind of 50-50 on it, but either way. All right, so the numbers I just gave you are as close to accurate as possible because it seems as though some cruise lines don't, even report all their over overboards uh, which is amazing but remember we say it all the time mind your p's and q's out there because you are not protected under the same exact laws that you are under under the u.s government now that's not necessarily meaning that you know it's the wild west out there and everybody could do whatever they want but i'm just saying you kind of everybody has a feel for what they can and can't get away with while they're in their home municipality or whatever it is even federal government or state wherever it is uh you don't know what what's at play at sea you don't know what's going on you guys hear the stories about disney cruise lines covering up all the stories why because they can anybody who's smart is going to use whatever legalities to uh, protect what their ultimate investment is and their ultimate, I mean, their interest is, and that is their investment in the cruise line. And they just don't want it. If they don't have to share the information because there's a there's a law that says they don't, they're not going to share it. Sorry, closure. I apologize. You're not getting your closure because, we're, you know, the closure that you're going to get could lead to Disney having to pay a lot of money, losing a lot of money, getting an awful amount of PR versus you know what okay it doesn't have it says right here i don't have to release this information guess what this information is not getting released i don't know uh so again like we talk about suicide drunkenness and foul play are uh the the reason by foul play we mean murder <laughs> are the uh reasons i'm laughing about murder not sure why but hey listen you know uh it's pretty interesting to know that once you are overboard it's not just about them finding you it's a very very distressful situation at sea and many people have been located 
by the rescue team but died during the rescue attempt. Very often people are critically hurt from the fall. And many times the water temperature is not survivable for any sustained amount of time. For example, here are some uh, is basically a general timetable of you know, what the temperatures that are survivable are. If you are in water that is 40 degrees, uh, you have about, then that's Fahrenheit, you have about 60 minutes before hypothermia sets in. That does not necessarily mean death, but it does mean hypothermia. I'm sure Jack was well beyond hypothermia. Um, well, he was, he died, but Rose too. She probably had hypothermia, had to get treated. Uh, you know, there was no carnival glory back in the day, but those guys did do a great job of finding her. Um, if the water is 60 degrees, apparently, which doesn't seem, you know, you guys know water, you've, you, land water and, I'm not, sorry, land temperature and water temperature, you know, the water temperature seems much colder uh, perception-wise and actual-wise, well, the water, just as far as what it can do to your body. So if the water is 60 degrees, you have about six hours before hypothermia kicks, kicks in. So this guy was literally just chilling. That must have been some warm water. Yeah, of course it's warm water. It's Cuba in freaking July. What do you think? Uh, Listen, when I'm on vacation, I am a clown. You guys know that. I'm looking for a good time. And very often, I'll push the envelope on what people might even consider obnoxious. But there's something about that ocean, that vast natural wonder that you have to respect. You know, uh cruising is safe it's so safe but at the same time we are at the mercy you know there's hundreds of cruise ships out every day but it should never be lost on you that we are at the mercy of what is probably the greatest force we will ever come in contact with which is the sea so please don't mess around with that stay away from the railings especially if you get the drink package Okay, let's do something we never do on this show, and that is talk P&O, the very popular fancy cruise line who is owned by Carnival Corporation. They are retiring the Orania, Oriana, final answer, uh, August of 2019. She was the first new build specifically built for P&O, but uh, she's also the first ship purpose-built for the British cruise market. So we're dealing with some history here, and uh, she's uh, unfortunately being sent out to pasture. Her first sailing was in 1995, and this has to be somewhat emotional for P&O, and that is uh, in, in that it's just the one that started it all. When this stuff happens, it's somewhat of a good thing, too. I remember when baseball players used to just retire. Do you guys remember that? Any sports fans out there, they played until they couldn't get anything else out of themselves, and they went out kicking and screaming. I think Derek Jeter, if I'm not mistaken, started this new thing. Was it Derek Jeter? No, I think it was Mar- No, it was Mariano Rivera started this thing. Uh, wrong Yankee. Where... The really good players now announce their retirement before the season starts of their last season. While these farewell tours get obnoxious at times, I mean, it's 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 really a home run for everyone who's involved. I mean, I got to stop with these puns, don't I? Major League Baseball, they sell the merchandise in every single ballpark. They do a little ceremony. Every ballpark gets a pop because, okay, the legendary Mariano Rivera or Derek Jeter or Boston fans, David Ortiz, whoever it is, they get a nice pop because now the dads are going to take the sons and whoever else is going to come out to the ballpark 
because this is the last known opportunity to see this legend. It's the last everything. It's the last set of warm-up tosses at Great American Ballpark. Uh, the last at-bat there. The last run scored there. The last time you shoot your steroids in Cleveland. Everything is just the last, so it becomes a celebration on everything. The last dump you'll ever take in Milwaukee, whatever. It, it, it does get tedious, but it is one hell of a money grab. So... With that, the Ariana gets to have its farewell tour tour all the way until the summer of 2019. So uh, Peter Ludlow, Senior Vice President of P&O, gave the following statement. Ariana is an original and a much-loved P&O cruise ship. While we will miss her, her departure will allow us to focus on our remaining mid-sized and larger ships as the fleet expands. Ariana will be with us till the end of August next year. So there will be plenty of opportunity to celebrate her time with us. Those guests who have sailed on Oriana will then be able to enjoy holidays on Aurora and Arcadia, both of which are exclusively for adults and have very similar onboard feel experiences and the revitalization taking place over the next year. So this guy's a smart guy. He knows what he's doing. He does the call to arms for making sure that we all know, you know what, going out of business, get her while you can, get on her while you can. But having said that, if you like the Oriana, you'll love the Arcadia and the, uh, uh, what's the other one? Arcadia and the Aurora. So, I mean, very, very well done. Little selling point in all directions. Now, she ain't done yet, though. She is still a perfectly good ship. But with P&O having two new builds on the way for 2020 and 2022, I guess they're trying to say out with the old and in with the new a little bit. With that philosophy, it's amazing that they are owned by the Carnival Corp. <laughs> Maybe she will be fitted for a guy's burger and thrown as the 19th fantasy class ship. I'm just kidding. P&O has not announced if there are any plans for the sale or anything else, uh, what they're going to do with Oriana. Um, all right, speaking of P&O, the cruise line is doing something that is, quite frankly, quite American. They're holding a tribute to the King Cruise. You guys into this? Which is, you guessed it, an Elvis-themed cruise. Apparently, they did this last year, and the demand was so high that they had to upgrade the, ves- upgrade the vessel to the 2,000-capacity guest, uh, guest capacity Pacific Explorer. This is going to happen out of Sydney, Australia, on May 17th, and reservations for the three-night sailings are already out there for you. What can you expect on an Elvis cruise? Well, a lot of weirdness, <laughs> I guess, uh, but spectacular tribute concerts by impersonators and stuff like that. You'll have Elvis karaoke. Of course, you're going to have Elvis karaoke. Can you guys do any Elvis? 323 Getaway, if you wouldn't mind singing an, your favorite Elvis song into the into the voicemail, and I will play it on the air. Uh, there'll be a marathon of his m- movies and a m- menu items that he prefer that he preferred, including meatballs wrapped in bacon, bacon wrapped meatballs. Elvis was a hipster. Uh, fried chicken and a peanut banana sundae. So that was I thought I thought he was also into that fried bologna and uh, fried bologna peanut butter and jelly sandwich type stuff. They say that's the legendary story that he died. Uh, some on the toilet eating one of them or something. I don't know. I'm sorry. I'm not the biggest Elvis guy. You can't take away from what Elvis brought to the table. I mean, Elvis, kidding me? Crushed it. But, uh, you know, doesn't necessarily speak to me. Uh, do you guys know he was born in a shotgun shack in Tupelo, Mississippi? 
All that will be covered, as well as his controversial appearance on The Ed Sullivan Show, where they would only show him performing performing from the waist up, despite being fully clothed. I guess he just, you know, the way he moved his hips or whatever, kind of sent the girls into a frenzy. And uh, that was weird. Did you ever hear, hear, just speaking of whipping girls into a frenzy, I watched the documentary on the Beatles. And this is fascinating and just disgusting at the same time. And it's almost hard to fathom. This is what they said on this documentary. Now, you could say it's not true. Maybe it is true. I'm not sure. But the girls were lined up to see the Beatles. And, you know, guys like the Beatles, clearly. But the girls love the Beatles. And those shrieks of horror, the screams that would come from these girls... And uh, let's talk about that for a second. Little side side note. Talk about the decline of society. What we're into. The Instagram. The the Facebook. The this and that. And all our social media stuff. And how that's ruining us. Dude, in the 1960s, girls used to scream like they were having heart attacks and pass out. And what I'm about to say is a tribute that is a testament to, you know what? If we can get this crazy over, she was just 17 if you know what I mean. And we're not breaking the bank lyrically, huh? Right? Are we? She loves me. Nah. Yeah. Yeah. She loves me. I'm, I'm going to say it right here. I'll probably lose half the audience right now. Right now. Uh, uh, the Beatles to me are overrated. But they said that the girls would line up to these shows and listen to the Beatles. And they would get so freaked out that they would lose control of their bodily functions and they would pee on the floor and this would happen with many girls in 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 the concert and because of the way the 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 I guess the theater was angled you know like a riser like the f- seats in the front are low and the seats in the back are high pee would just roll down the aisle and there would be a giant collection of pee at the at the foot of the stage is that true can anybody confirm that i didn't google it lately it just kind of came up in my mind as I'm talking about Elvis and his freaking hip dance. But uh, this is this is this type of stuff that used to happen. I mean, talk about the decline of society. Are we in that bad of shape? 50, 60 years ago, they were peeing on the floor over artists and mass amounts of pee. And then you got the girls. They pass out. They fall into the pee. What are we doing here? What's going on? Is it a real thing? I don't know. Um, this should be a fun event, getting back to the Elvis cruise. This should be a fun event for the Elvis enthusiasts out there. But remember, it is happening out of Australia. Hopefully, those nut jobs down there can handle the fun without getting into a brawl that will have the police have to come and uh, take people off the ship. And uh, hopefully, they won't be throwing boomerangs at each other. Are boomerangs real? Australian people, let me know. I know we got a good, solid Australian contingency out there. When I make fun of you guys, it's all in good fun. I know you can make fun of us back. There's no problem. We're all good here. But I do want to know, is bo- are boomerangs real or is that a movie thing? Can you throw a boom? If I've got a boomerang in my hand, can I go down onto the street level on 31st Street, throw a boomerang across and hit somebody in the head and have the thing return to me? Tell me the deal. Australian people, 323 Getaway. Let me know what the hell the deal is with boomerangs or Tommy at alwaysbebooked.com, whatever you prefer. All right, let's take it over to Alaska for a minute and uh, address some concerns that Juno has with norovirus. While it is a very uncomfortable day or two, uh, 
where it will come out of you from both ends. Norovirus is really basically the stomach bug. And uh, despite that fact, it is highly contagious. And many people in the healthcare community in Southeast Alaska are wanting answers. This is understandable because of how quickly it can spread. And I guess the medical community in Juneau feel that um, if they have a heads up, they may be able to put themselves in a better position to contain this uh, affliction. Uh, uh, what do you call it? What would you call it? This infection or it's not a disease, right? The director of Juno Emergency Room, Kim McDowell, saw a post on social media. She then uh, astutely called the port agency to verify the story, that's the story that said 38 passengers on the Holland America's Zadam, 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 um, that they had norovirus. So the word was that the reports were accurate, but they were confident that they did what was needed to quarantine these guests and contain them to the ship and that the hospital should not expect any guests. So they very astutely, she definitely, Kim McDowell called up and found her this thing, saw it on social media, decided that she was going to take action, figure out if this was true or not. It was confirmed. Probably didn't like the fact that there wasn't a call made, at least. But uh, the Holland America said, "Don't worry, we're keeping them all on the ship." A day later, however, Seven Seas Mar- Mariner, 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 Mariner. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Called it to Juno, confirming that they did have some known cases of the bug on board. But McDowell said that she didn't hear anything about that. That is being chalked up to the fact that the Center for Disease Control sometimes has a problem communicating with the hospital in a timely fashion. So apparently this is not a huge problem, but yet somewhat of an issue. There are many residents that come into regular contact with the thousands of cruise passengers that sail in, and it seems that it would be a f- that it would be fair that if there was any issue or concern, they should get a heads up, right? I don't think that would be too much to ask. Uh, maybe less handshaking, more sanitizing would happen as a result, and everybody stays happy. John Neary is the director of the U.S. Forest Services in uh, Mendenhall Glacier Visitor Centers. Uh, you guys know that I am far from an Alaska whiz, but this is apparently the community's most popular attraction with thousands of cruise visitors visiting daily. That is the, I'll repeat it, the Mendenhall Glacier Visitor Center. Uh there, he, his quote is that there are certain cases that if they know in advance when they're coming to port, we'd certainly like to know that. So if the cruise lines know, they want to know. Very understandable. He went on to say every day that there's a concern because whether or not there's been a recorded outbreak, there's always viruses on board these ships, as well as with any large concentration of people. So we have to take measures every day about hand washing and not shaking hands and these kinds of things. See, it's a benefit to everyone because without any notification, no precautions can be taken. Then when that happens, the staff gets sick and then the guests who aren't puking and pooping all over the place can't properly enjoy the attraction. They also say that hand washing is imperative. The sanitizers, while not completely useless, they don't do nearly as much as a lot of people think. You gotta wash your hands, people. Stop poisoning the people of Alaska. With that said, let's do a little PSA on the best ways to avoid norovirus. First off, here's a guarantee. Search randomly for norovirus on your computer, and then that's at least a guarantee way to give your computer norovirus. Anyway, moving on. Number one, search cruise lines that get an 85 or above on their CDC vessel sanitation program inspections. Number two, stay away from Juno. 
I am just kidding. But definitely look at ships that have a regular uh, that have regularly had this problem. I won't call anyone out, but this info is available. Full disclosure, none of this would affect me sailing on any of these ships. I would still go on any of these ships whatsoever, even if they got a 79 on their CDC scale. Maybe that's because I haven't really been hit with it, but um, you know, I'm still going to go look for the best cruise, the best price, going to the best places. Wash your hands, soap and water, go up the arm a little, spend time on those little pesky fingertips and the little webbings at the base between those fingers too. Uh, try not to touch your face as much as possible because if it does happen to get on your hand. If you touch your eyes or your nose or your mouth, it can get in there. If you see people sick, avoid those areas. Rocket science, right? <laughs> well, clearly, you're going to avoid the guy vomiting his guts out on the on the Lido deck. But stay away from that area for a while because routine cleaning procedures may not always completely disinfect the area. Uh, number six, quarantine yourself. We all lie on the form. If we're sick or not, we're still, you know, if we're getting over something, we're still getting on that ship. But if it's more serious and it seems to be vomitous or diarrheous, as I make up words, go to the infirmary and get treated. Also, get out of the mix and don't give it to your fellow passengers. Uh, also, watch for disgusting humans at the buffet, people using their hands to grab chicken or, you know, dropping stuff all over the place and putting the tongs back in that they where they grabbed from putting the handle back into the food that drives me nuts keep the freaking tongue handle part out of the food doesn't that drive you nuts has to drive you nuts and, and that don't be don't be that cruise guy episode you will see me mention that as well and also the last is get rest stay hydrated and take vitamins. That's it for the cruise news, ladies and gentlemen. Let's get into the main topic for the show, which is... And we're back, ladies and gentlemen. You know the topic of today. We've discussed it. We've talked about it. We've teased it. And now it is here. Uh, the port profile. We've gotten away from those. We talked about why. You know what I mean? I just don't know. if We've always added that same little flair and that little spice. It's more of a reference guide. That's something that I think it informs. I don't necessarily know if it entertains and connects, which you guys know. The goals of this show here, uh, but we are going to do one. We're going to do one. We're going to give it a shot. We're going to try to make it as interesting as possible to anybody who's ever gone to Aruba or is headed to Aruba. I would also appreciate, as always, uh, you guys hitting up Tommy at alwaysbebooked.com because, again, there's probably people out there that are far more far more. Uh, Arubatic experts than me as we continue to make up our own words here. Uh, if you guys do have any suggestions, we're going to hit up Facebook because we did get, we like I said, we threw it out there a couple of weeks ago about you know this episode coming up and we wanted to get your take on what you should do in Aruba and you guys stepped up with that as well. So, all right, let's get into it. This is it. Oh, by the way, how about that Patreon with uh, Sony? <laughs> I didn't know while we're, good, while we're doing it and I'm like, is this even arable? Because uh, it's just kind of like us going through the uh, you know the glory days of cruising, getting a little bit of a different perspective besides just my own, and bringing Sony in, and she uh, did a great job, I think. Uh, you know, <laughs> she's a trip. She had a good. We had a good time with Sony, and I uh, definitely hope to have her back. She definitely came in. She was a little nervous. I didn't know, but she was like, uh, I I was a little nervous to do the podcast. 
So she came directly after work. She stopped at the bar, had a couple of drinks, and then made another stop and picked herself up some rosé. So she was coming in hot. I didn't realize she was coming in hot. But uh, that interview is on Patreon, and uh, you got to go to patreon.com. Uh, and then fi- slash always, patreon.com slash always be booked. And uh, just a $5 donation per month, you can get access to those interviews. Uh, then we're going to try to do them once a week. And that's about it. All right, let's do it. Aruba, ladies and gentlemen. This place is crazy. There are many different uh, tribes of Indians and pirates and explorers explorers that have traveled around the Caribbean. Uh, and they found a good amount amount of treasure on the island and we're going way back in the day when you know Aruba was mildly inhibited inhabited inhabited I don't even know where we're going with that what would be the word what would be the word inhibited it wouldn't be inhibited inhabited that's the one final answer Uh, the actual meaning of Aruba is red gold so I don't know like the Island, I guess, maybe because of its desert feel and the fact that there was a decent amount of treasure on the island. Um, You can still see some of the gold mines that were built there in the 19th century. Uh, Aruba was a Spanish colony for over 100 years. But then in 1836, at the end of the 80 years war between Spain and Holland, the Dutch took over the island. So while it's still technically within the kingdom of of the Netherlands, the mother country allows it to basically operate on its own, call its own shots, and operate independently. So uh, after the gold, it was oil as far as natural resources. And soon after that, it was all about you people. That's right. The tourists, both the cruise terminal and large airport that Aruba now has, is well set up to take on the thousands of visitors that pay her a visit every single day. Um, even the, besides the hotels, the cruise ships, and stuff like that, the timeshares are blowing up. They got very, very well-maintained ma- roads, uh, modern system as far as all that goes, and the infrastructure is good. And again, it is ripe for tourism. Uh, the nickname for Aruba, you guys may know this or not, uh, it's One Happy Island. And what always kind of just seems to... I don't know. I'm curious about it. Just the loyalty that a lot of people that do visit Aruba have, go that do visit Aruba continue to maintain towards that island. They will talk everything Aruba. A, a person who's been to Aruba more than three times, I dare you to say something bad about Aruba in their presence. They will smack you upside your head. They just love it, and for whatever reason, I think maybe. We'll go over that over the next several minutes about some of the things about Aruba that make, you know, it's guess we all love the Caribbean. I love going to Curacao. I love going to St. Thomas. I even love going to the Bahamas. But like I said, something about Aruba is just, you know, that's that's you don't play around with Aruba to Aruba people. One of the reasons maybe is because it's so remote. You know what I mean? It's uh, out of the way. It's very, very south. If you're talking Caribbean, it's about just about as south as you're going to get. Uh, it makes it, it's made up of by over 90 different ethnicities. So very, very diverse. You have all the types of Caribbean people down there. You have the island, you know, what would you call them? Um, I feel like the, like I always say the Jamaican is the root of that kind of uh, island. The Rasta, the, 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 um, you know, the Hayman. 
<laughs> sounding like a moron right now, but you guys know what I mean. Sort of like the uh, Bahamas and the Jamaican and things like that. But then you also have the Latin side of it. You know, the, well, there's two different Latin sides of it. You have the Mexican side of it. You also have the uh, Caribbean guess you'd say Puerto Rico, Dominican Republic, it's a little bit different than the Mexico side. It's clearly different, but it's, uh, you know, you get a different vibe, different feel. And there's the Caribbean Sea as a whole and all the islands around it just are made up of different types of cultures. And um, you add all those to Aruba, but then also with Aruba, you get South American culture too. So the diversity is off the charts. Um, you, 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 uh, you get what you should know also, which is kind of cool, uh, despite being there, so many people from so many places. If you end up marrying somebody from Aruba, you can go down to Aruba, marry someone who's an island person, and you get Dutch citizenship. That's crazy, right? I wonder if that's true for San Juan, St. Thomas, or Guam for the United States. They have a saying there, uh, you'll hear the word douchey a lot, not like Long Island or Jersey douchey, like douchebags, it's uh, douchey, D-U-S-H-I, you know, they're like, uh, me douchey, it's almost like a very endearing term, my my sweetie, you're very sweet, me douchey, um, so that is a word you'll hear a lot, it's on t-shirts, it's on hats, it's on shot glasses, all that stuff. Now, Aruba is only 15 miles north of Venezuela, so, I mean, you, like I said, you're just Basically, you could throw a rock and hit South America, so that just speaks to the whole remote feel for the island as well. You, uh, When you do go to Aruba via cruise ship, you sail into a place called Aranjestad, and it is uh, very, very well-maintained, well-developed. Uh, it's, it's as good of a, you know, kind of a city, city type of feel and urban infrastructure as you'll get in the Caribbean, so you're not going to really want for too much. Uh, another interesting thing about Aruba naturally is that it's a desert, basically. And if that even makes sense, that always kind of fascinated me where you think Caribbean, you think tropical rainforest, and you just think overly, you know, humid and hazy and, 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 and you know, but when you get that far down, for whatever reason, I guess the wind or whatever it is, uh, it's it's a desert. You know, you have sand dunes. It's like a real, it's an actual Caribbean desert. The average year-round temperature is what? Take a guess. What do you think? Aruba, average year-round temperature. Now, if you said 82 degrees Fahrenheit, you would be right. And we talked about it a second ago. The wind, there's so much wind in Aruba, and I guess maybe that's also part of what makes it unique in turn, why people are so loyal to it, because of the fact that you know, in that hot sun, that's 82 average. So what is that? That's going to be 96, 98 average between what? June and uh, June to August, May to August or whatever it is. And uh, those winds that come in, you know, while they could be annoying if you're trying to set up a towel or set up a blanket or, you know, <laughs> maybe some sand gets blown around. But it is a welcome, welcome wind when, in terms of if you're very, very hot, which you're going to be in Aruba in the southern, uh, in the summer months. Uh, and you'll see what's unique to Aruba is there's trees. And on the beach, you'll see these trees that have an interesting, unique shape to them. And you can tell they've just been, over the years and years and years, they've just been shaped by this wind. And they have like a bend to them. And you see them and it's almost like a, it's hard to describe. It looks like oh, they almost look like bonsai trees from the Karate Kid. Uh, definitely check that out. So it's, it, it just makes for a very, very nice scenic, uh, you know, view. It's postcard, screen saver type stuff. 
gorgeous. Um, you know, there's so many islands in the Caribbean and so many different, I guess, things about these islands that make them attractive and why you'd want to go there. Uh, even if, like, let's just say they don't have beaches, you know what? Like a place like Key West, no, it doesn't have beaches, but it's got a gorgeous sunset, delicious seafood, great water to jet ski in, and a ton of different ton of stuff. You know what I mean? Aruba, uh, they are absolutely known for their beaches. They got beaches upon beaches upon beaches. Definitely, definitely want to go. If you're a beach person, I mean, you definitely want to check out Aruba. Now, what the difference is, you have the West Coast. Uh, the waters are very calm. I guess that's mostly because that's the Caribbean Sea-facing uh, side. And, uh, you know, you'll find most of your hotels there. You'll find most of your resorts there. And then you have the East Coast, and that's a little bit more, would you say, rustic. It's definitely taking the brunt of the Atlantic Ocean. So the the wind is coming from that way. The waves are coming from that way. And while there's tons of stuff to do on the East Coast, it's just a lot different. Um, what we'll do is, I guess we'll just start talking about some of the beaches that you could find there and some of the options that you would have in terms of beaches. Uh, you, you're going to start with Arashi Beach, and it's kind of remote. It's popular, but it's kind of remote. It's close to the north, but still kind of tinkers on the east side. It is about 20 minutes from the cruise terminal. This place is is absolutely gorgeous. Um, if you want to get away from the crowds, this is definitely uh, your spot. But at the same time, you're not totally away from the crowd. You still have stuff to do there. There's still some action going on. And it's also a nice place for you lighthouse junkies to check out since the California Lighthouse is there as well. Uh, it's also very good for snorkeling up there. There's plenty of beach chairs that hook you up with that. And you'll see some of the clearest water you will ever see. Uh There'll be uh, the scenery in general is good. Some good, nice, cool rocks. And uh, there's cactuses. There's sand dunes up there. So definitely check it out up there. 20 minutes from the beach. Very, very popular place. But also not overly infested like what we're going to talk about now. Now, we're not there yet. We're just elevating in congestion. And that is Eagle Beach. Eagle Beach is well is a very, very well-known, fairly large beach. It's about three and a half miles long. This is where you're going to see many of the uh, low-rise resorts that are one or two stories high. They want to preserve the view of the ocean. you got plenty of space here, so there's lounge chairs everywhere, and you can take part in water sports. So there's plenty of room. You don't have to worry about rent. You can rent your jet skis. You can do your banana boats. You can draw a parasail, all that stuff. Uh, so for that reason, also, though, it's not necessarily the best area for snorkeling. But Eagle Beach is a very, very well-known, very popular place. And, uh, yeah, it's very, very close to the cruise terminal as well. You just got to start heading north. Then, gaining in more action and more, I guess, congestion, we're going to go over to Palm Beach. Uh, now, the line blurs just a little bit as to where Eagle Beach ends and then Palm Beach begins. So they're basically neck and neck with each other. Uh, there seems to be a bird sanctuary that separates the two. Um, but on many sites and publications, what they'll do is just name that whole area Palm Eagle Beach. So it's a little, uh, it's a little, it's not really, you know, when you, the Palm Beach, however, seems to have more high rises in the area. I guess uh, this is a perception thing. When you're at the cruise terminal and you head north, you'll quickly come across Eagle Beach. You continue north and you'll hit Palm Beach. When the buildings start getting larger to, you know, basically looking like 
giant resorts and skyscrapers, you'll know you've hit Palm Beach. You'll see all the usual suspects there like the Hyatt, the Marriott. And that's where the most popular place, you know, I guess from a resort standpoint is, that's what they'll say, I guess you could argue this, but a lot of people just talk about the Ryu Palace, and uh, that's the place to go for just a resort in general, resort for a day, uh, whichever you want to do. Uh, and again, like I said, somewhat separated by that bird sanctuary, which maybe you want to check out while you're there if you're into birds or sanctuaries. Um there is also a small beach called Druif Beach, which is about halfway between the cruise terminal if you go uh, and Eagle Beach. So it's very, very close. Very small, not so crowded at all, but you, you can't beat it for convenience. So Druif Beach, you don't get a whole lot to do besides sit there, which I do realize that's an advantage for many people. A lot of people like to just go to the beach and chill. And if you want to do that, you don't necessarily need a lot of room. You want to break away from crowds. And a lot of people just kind of pass it by because it's so remote and people don't realize, you know, Eagle Beach, Palm Beach, that's where everybody wants to be. But right before you get there, you got Druif Beach too, so it may be worth it to check it out. All right, we also have Malmok Beach. Uh, this is north of Palm Beach and it's on the way. It's before you hit to Arashi Beach, but uh, it's north of Palm Beach. It's a very, very small strip of beach that is very remote, very, very beautiful. It's uh I mean, it, it's it's so gorgeous, but for a lot of people, it might be too remote. It almost reminds me of some of those, if you've ever done that drive down to Key West, you know, you'll see just little mini beaches that broke, break, break out. You know what I mean? People fishing off them, tubing a little bit. It almost looks like it's not a beach, but it is, and it's very, very, very remote. It's just way off the beaten path. And again... That is what a lot of people do like. Then you have a place called Baby Beach. This is one of the furthest from the cruise port, and it is all the way the other way at the southernmost tip of the island. You know, you'll still catch enough of the West Coast so that, you know, you'll have a beautiful, nice, uh, easy tide. But, you know, you're a little close. You're on the tip, so it's, like, hard to you know figure out if you're actually north or, I mean, I'm sorry, east or west. So it's, like, kind of like where east does meet, meet west. The, 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 the tide will be rough at times. You can snorkel. They will rent you equipment. It'll give you some lounge chairs. Now, the water does look extra blue here. There's a does it even if you can believe it a bluer tint to the water down here and you'll probably see a good mix of locals down there actually with the tourists uh, but since it is so far from the cruise ship you won't likely see a lot of your fellow cruisers a lot of the people if they are not locals and they are tourists most of them will be I guess on land-based vacations as well you're also not going to see any resorts down that way. The It's just very, very beautiful, very remote. And like I said, Baby Beach, to me, that sounds like the place I'd probably want to be. You know what I mean? You still get action. It's not like you're going into the middle of nowhere. But, it, you know, the, the water is unmolested and it's just... It's 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 not overcrowded. You have plenty of options to eat and drink and stuff like that. Uh, Baby Beach seems cool to me. Um one of the things people also like to do in Aruba, moving on from the specific beaches, uh, windsurfing, as we talked about the wind and how prevalent it still is. Uh, while windsurfing seemed like it was really, really cool back in maybe the late 80s and 90s, you know, on the mainland or some of the Caribbean islands, in Aruba, windsurfing is still something you may want to do. They recommend you take a class. I don't know, man. You guys take classes. You guys ever take a surfing lesson? I never have, only because 
I would love to. I love learning new things like that, but I only want to learn them if I could put them into practice on even a semi-regular basis. I don't want to learn how to surf, learn how to windsurf, learn how to do this or that. And then, you know what? You don't cruise to that island or you don't cruise for another several months and then you forgot the whole skill. You got to learn it all over again. I would love, like I would like to take a golf lesson maybe. And then I know I can go to a golf course every uh, week or so and I can remember what I was told and put into practice. I remember I was playing fat tennis for a while. I called it tennis, uh, fat tennis because I'm a little heavy. And, uh, you know, regular tennis is regular tennis. So what I was doing, I didn't seem to think that it was fair to actually call it tennis. So... You know, just out of respect for the game, I just labeled it fat tennis. Um, where else are we at? Um, tardy. They have a thing called Tardy. And what that is, is that it's a pop-up on the beach restaurant at night, at sunset, at various spots around, I think, uh, Palm Beach. Yeah, so... Um, it's awesome. Like they just will set up a pop up. You may not know where it's going to be. They call it tardy, and uh, you know what you can also assure is that you won't have to worry. The ship will wait for you. I don't know. Not every, not every cruise is set to leave after sunset, but they'll wait for you. You don't have to worry. They'll just you just have to tell them you were tardy. I'm sorry. That's a terrible joke. Listen, we're trying to mix it in here. We're trying to do the best we can. But no, there's a thing called tardy on Palm Beach, and if you end up staying there on a land vacation or your ship leaves after sunset, definitely check it out. They have tons of really cool helicopter tours. They start around at 80 to 100 bucks. They basically run up and down Palm Beach, Eagle Beach, and they just do that run back and forth so you can get a nice little overhead perspective of this one happy island. Let's talk one of my favorite topics. You know what it is, food. That's right. Um, one of the best restaurant scenes in all of the Caribbean with uh, options that are local and from all over the world, including some good old USA barbecue. A lot of these places to eat are on the beach, and they give you great views of the sunset. Again, if you are there through the sunset. I was only kidding before. The cruise ship is not going to wait for you. Well, it will wait for you a little bit. But at the end of the day, they are going to set sail. So make sure you're back on the ship on time. Nothing wrong with a good pier run. Just make sure they see you. Make sure that, uh, you know, make sure that they are... Uh, <laughs> they are not setting sail setting sail without you. And you can meet them in the next island if you have to, depending upon the geographical location. All right, I know, guys, everybody's getting mad. Tommy, shut up. Stop telling people that it's okay to be late for the cruise ship. It is not. I get it. All right. There's a dish there in Aruba. Uh, it's one of the signature dishes for the land. It's called pastesh. Pastesh? It's fried pastry that you can pretty much stuff with about anything. It's sort of like, uh, let's go into our made-up words again, aerobatic empanada. These are apparently everywhere. Mostly walk up, you go to these casual spots. It's almost like a burger stand or like a hot dog stand or, um, you know, what would you what would you compare it to? I guess the physical layout of the restaurant in America you know, a lot of them you don't even go inside, like a walk-up deli or a walk-up counter, and then there's just kind of like you're chilling, you know, you grab, find your own seat, plastic, you know, table and chairs, or, you know, outdoor table and chairs, and sit down, and you enjoy your pastiche. Um, one of the things that they say that you really should do is, is eat at Z Rovers. Through my research, 
far and away, this is the restaurant that continued to come up. And this is the restaurant that I'm actually pissed off that I didn't get to go to when I was there because this is a real Aruba experience. You order a piece of fish that was literally caught that day and maybe even caught like while you want. You may have watched this fish get caught. They weigh it. They fillet it right in front of you, and then they, when they put it on the scale, they spit out a price, and then that's what you pay, and then they literally fry it up for you right there. Mostly, it's snapper, grouper, shrimp. Um, they also sell you beers by the bucket. You sit there. You eat a fish that was literally swimming six hours ago, five hours ago, and uh, you know you get your beer by the bucket, and you are chilling. With you know, right on the water, it's about 20 minutes cab from the cruise terminal. You just head south, and it's what, what this is like I said, Z Rovers, and it's about halfway from the cruise terminal down to Baby Beach. Uh, like I said, Baby Beach is on the southern tip of Aruba. I, 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 I really wish I knew this place about this place when I was there. The guy does it in front of you, it's the freshest possible thing you can eat, and um, you know, you're, you're looking, you're basically looking over the water right there where your fish just came from while you eat and um, if you like to as well you can snorkel it's uh, very very close to a place called mango halto mango halto a great spot where locals like to dive um, boca prince or prince boca prince is a casual outdoor spot within the limits of Arakak National Park, which we will talk about in a second, and it has some delicious seafood. It has plantains. It has a dish called uh, panbati. You know what pan panbati panbati is? It's a local dish that is basically the Aruba version of a pancake. It's really really popular down here down there. The literal translate translation is called smashed bread. It can be a side dish. Or sometimes served as a giant entree stuffed. Uh, speaking of uh, pa- um, pan bati, there is a place called Linda's Dutch Pancakes. I don't know why they can't just call them Dutch Pancakes. Listen, they probably do. Who knows? Tommy, what are you doing? You don't have no idea what they do down there, so probably just let them call their food whatever they want to call their food. I have no idea how to even describe some of the gluttony when it comes to these menu items. Have you guys some in some of these restaurants now that... Like, like I, the first one that comes to mind is Sugar Factory uh, in um, the Black Tap. They just make these obscene, obscene milkshakes where they'll have like, um, <laughs> they'll just make a milkshake. They'll be frosting on the side. They'll strap like 19 candy bars to it. And then they'll stick a freaking skewer inside the thing. And there'll be like a five pound cheeseburger hanging off the top. Just out of control. There's no way. Human beings can finish all this stuff, but what they want to do with it is basically like everything nowadays is for, it's for the gram. So they want to put it on Instagram and it just looks cool as a photo. You know, really 12 people can freaking share it, but they don't. They each get their own. They want their own. And then, you know, uh, the staff is running around trying to throw away the excess food. It's actually kind of shameful, but whatever. But these pancakes, these Linda's Dutch pancakes are very, very similar. Maybe not to that extent, but you'll see some of them that are topped with fruit, you know, they'll be, they'll have anything from fruit uh, to some, uh, you know, confection to then you'll have ones that are stuffed like with ham, meat, pulled pork, anything they can get their hands on. They'll stuff this friggin' pancake with. And, um, you know, it's just because it's almost like maybe almost like um, almost like a crepe, maybe just a giant, giant crepe. Most of them are topped with syrup and powdered sugar. Uh, I don't know, man. looks like a great way to start the day. All right. 
There's also another dish in Aruba that you should probably try when you're there. It's called carne stoba. And this is a bit, uh, it's a sort of a variation on a beef stew. It's got rice and funky, funchi, funchi, which is sort of a polenta. It's a staple local dish there as well. And now another one that is very popular in Aruba, but it's also popular on a lot of Caribbean islands, is called the Johnny Cake. Definitely check out the Johnny Cakes. They're delicious. All right, now let's get to some different attractions throughout Aruba, some excursions, some things you might want to do besides beaches. Or you know what? I shouldn't say besides beaches because a lot of these... um, they have beaches incorporated into them. So you have Arakak National Park, which I mentioned before. Now, this is where I would absolutely, next time I go to Aruba, this is where I'm going. When we say Aruba has a real desert feel, nothing embodies this more than Arakak. The park actually makes up 18% of the entire island. Uh, it's crazy. You see all the dry land. You see the rock formations. You see the small but rolling hills, which is very, very pretty. Um, plenty of cacti. And then you come to the beach. This is some real breathtaking scenery. There's a small beach where a lot of the locals like to go within this park called Dos Playa. It's on the eastern side of the island. Um, is it? Yeah, eastern side of the island, because the whole park is on the eastern side, eastern southern side. Uh, So the waves are bigger, and it's a very, very popular spot for surfing, bodyboarding. Uh, Actually, Das Playa is one of the many hidden beaches and coves, so you definitely want to explore on your own if you have the energy and are feeling adventurous. You can also find a natural rock bridge that was formed over the years by Aruba's windy climate. Uh... Yeah, I've seen pictures of this. I've heard about it. It looks really, really cool. Uh, You go by 4x4 or you can get an ATV. It's a great way to get around. There's park rangers there. They'll gladly give you a tour if you'd like or you can explore on your own. Uh, there's, uh, gi- there's these giant windmills that Aruba so wisely uses as one of their great natural resources for power. And uh, Arakak National Park is about 20 minutes from the cruise terminal. The entrance is, geez, what is, what is this, Long Island? Everything is 20 minutes away. But it is across the island on the east coast, you know, so opposite side of the island from where you cruise into. There's also a place called Phillips Animal Garden. Uh, isn't that a freaking zoo? <laughs> Animal Garden? Is that what we're calling it now? But Animal Garden. I, I have a problem with that terminology, but hey, who am I? Um, check out the Animal Garden where you'll find kangaroos, you'll find monkeys, horses, can- camels, and many, many more types of animals. Uh, the Animal uh, Garden is also west, but it's a bit north kind of the same latitude as Palm Beach and it's about 15 it's about a 15 minute ride from the cruise terminal so it's also did we say east I'm sorry it's east I I correct that it's also east on the east side but it is north of Arakak National Park so um, another very popular place among the both the tourists alike uh, it's more of a local place though it's called Boca Quito no I'm not talking about a trendy diet I'm talking about Paradise. The translation is Quiet Cove. This is, I think it's in Arakak. You sort of have to know a secret entrance entrance through a bunch of shrubbery, and then it opens up into this gorgeous white sand beach with some really, really unique rock formations that you can just stare at all day. Beautiful place to swim or just watch the water slam against the rocks. This is where you're going to find an incredible pool that was formed by the rocks around it. 
It almost like a, it almost has the feel of like a cenote without a cover. This is also on the West Coast, and it's just under a half hour from the cruise terminal. Yes, it is in Arakak National Park. That is confirmed. So just to be clear, it takes you about 20 minutes to get to the entrance of Arakak National Park. But then, like we said, it's, what is it? 18 square miles, so, you know, various places within Arakak National Park will basically give you different times and distances. Um, We also got to talk about a place called uh, Renaissance, I'm sorry, Flamingo Island. Now, this is ultra close to the ship, and it's on the west coast of the island, very, very close to the ship. There's a place called the Renaissance Hotel. Now, if you're staying there, you get complimentary access to Flamingo Island, but that doesn't apply to us, does it? So we're cruising. We can do it as an excursion for about, I believe, $90. Now, what's cool about uh, Flamingo Island is that it is completely loaded with, what would you think? What would you guess? You guys got it. I knew you guys can get it. It's flamingos. Aside from that, the place looks really cool in general as well. It sort of looks like you get on the boat to go there from inside the hotel. So if you do this as an excursion, you're going to go to the Renaissance Hotel and uh, it's awesome. You actually, I guess, pay for it or confirm your check-in, whatever you do. And then while you're still in the hotel, the cove or the waterway starts, the canal starts. And uh, you, you, it's like man-made. You get inside this little gondola or boat and you're still inside the freaking lobby of the hotel. And then you sail out of it and you make your way to the island. Then when you get there, you see that the island has two sides to it. You have the adults-only side where there's a spa, a nature walk. Um, then they have the um, flamingos. And then there's more of a family-friendly side where you get iguanas. Uh, you get your water sports. It's nice. Um, it, it's it, The iguanas vary in size and color, but they're literally everywhere. So it might be able to be called Iguana Island as well. But yeah, the, the flamingo side, man, what a majestic bird the flamingo is, right? You get an up close. Uh, you get an up close encounter with them. They're literally just chilling amongst you around the beach, as if as if they're just wild walking around. I can imagine some of the drunk assholes messing with them. I mean, see, that's the thing about me. I can be smashed. I drink a lot. You guys know that. But when you go on these cruises, no matter how much of an amateur you are, you still have to respect certain things. You know what I mean? I, I always know. Don't mess around with animals. Don't mess around with locals. Don't play too many games when it comes to deep water. And yes, for you, for those of you who are sticklers for the rules, don't mess around when it comes to what time the ship's going to leave. So drink all you want. Have a good time. Just maintain in your drunken haze the level of respect that you should have when you know that you were on a foreign land from your country. You don't know what you're playing with. There's so many different things, you know, mopeds, <laughs> sharks, whatever you want to talk about. It's just, you know, you got to be careful. But these flamingos look gorgeous, man. It, it almost freaks me out. Like, I, you look at their legs. It's like you wonder how they hold themselves up. All right, moving on. Anyway, Mango Halto, a very rocky, remote beach on the West Coast. It's about 15 minutes from the cruise terminal, uh, just under halfway between the ship and Baby Beach. So if you're looking for something a little bit more unmolested, if you're looking for something that's uh, a little more remote and um, you know, still relatively close. You don't want to go all the way down to Baby Beach. You have Mango Halto. It's gorgeous visually, but to be honest with you, the layout, it's not really made for sunbathing as much. You get a little stretch of beach, but uh, there's not much of a eating and drinking scene. It looks like you can do a lot of snorkeling, 
but it also looks like there's a bunch of private residences in the area. I don't know. It's not necessarily the place I would feel most comfortable. There's probably a bunch of better options. But, you know, like I said, people do go there, and it does look like it's, I mean, if you want the picture, if you're going down to Baby Beach, maybe do that. Stop off at Mango Halto and um, get out of the car, take a couple of pictures, and then make your way, continue on to Baby Beach. A uh, couple of other attractions that people love to do in Aruba, like we said before, the Ryu Palace. It's a resort for a day in Palm Beach. It's 18 and over. You have all the regular amenities that you would expect when you get a resort for a day. You have the swim-up bar, multiple pools. Oh, yeah, ding, 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 ding. You have the casino. You got a full buffet, a five-star fitness center, and a bunch of other stuff as well. It's $130, and it is all-inclusive. Now, if you look up the ratings and reviews on this thing, they, uh, I mean, this is the place to be. It sounds like from an all-inclusive standpoint, don't even really look any further. I mean, this is the only one you should take seriously. I'm sure they have the other ones. Uh, even Well, also Flamingo Island, like I said, with the Renaissance Hotel. Maybe that's an option for you if that, island, that beautiful island looks like something you might want to check out. Uh, do that, but I think it's between that and the Rio for your resorts for a day. Uh, there's some culture and attractions, downtown shopping in Aranjistad. You get tons of places to eat or uh, you get uh, eat and get authentic souvenirs. There is really good local cuisine. But when you say local cuisine from Aruba, it's tough to like actually say what that is. Because you local meaning local because it's made there. There's not a lot of food that uh, just because it's so diverse and it's so it's influenced by so many other main countries and stuff like that that it's just kind of like become an amalgamation of a bunch of different places to eat but it is i would say from what i hear between the maybe the french side of saint martin and aruba are some two of the best and you know just talking about quality and a culinary experience those are the leaders when it comes to the caribbean from what i've heard and experienced myself on a smaller scale uh they have the historic museum of aruba there's artifacts tower cannons and what looks like a recreated fort uh there's tons of other museums that are centrally located in the downtown Rajasthan area they have an aruba aruba craft shop tons of shopping um made there locally by guess who the locals uh, there's a place called san nicholas and it's uh, an aka sunrise city they do a carnival every thursday night you guys know what carnival is most of these islands down there they have a carnival and usually it lasts a few days maybe to a week and they'll do it once a year uh, this place sunrise city san nicholas they do it every single Thursday night. They got partying, they got dancing, they got food, music. Um, it's just a, I mean, just a great, great time. Clearly, it doesn't apply to us as much as cruisers. But if you do find yourself there in an overnight, or if you're spending a late night there, definitely check out um, Sunrise City and enjoy the carnival if you're there on a Thursday night. It's pretty specific. It won't apply to a lot of us. But hey. This is Aruba. Let's throw it in there. Uh, snorkeling in Aruba, as we said before, is second to none. They call it the shipwreck capital of the world. Um, not very encouraging if you arrive by ship, I guess, right? <laughs> but besides that, you can find some great locations and great operators that can help you get amazing snorkel experiences as well as uh, scuba experiences. And some of the best, what you hear most, are Mango Halto, like we mentioned before, uh, Puerto Chiquito, Arashi Beach, uh, the Antilla, the Antilla Rec, 
uh, Malmuk Beach and Baby Beach. The Antilla wreck is a, is a shipwreck that we'll talk about in a few minutes a little bit more, but um, there's, there's mixed reviews on that. Uh, what else do they have? They have the Allo Farm Tour. Uh, taxis are flat rates. It's important for you guys to know that. They're not going to put a meter on you. They're going to ask you how many people you have. They're going to ask you where you're going, and they're going to give you a price. That's it. Uh, the dollar, the U.S. dollar, is pretty much fine to be used anywhere, so don't have any worries about that. Uh, you know what they say in Aruba, there's no need for bottled water. The filtration system and how they make their water and how they kind of, you know, where they get it from, uh, they say it is the finest and highest quality of water anywhere in the Caribbean. Now, listen, that's what they say. Who are they? I have no freaking idea. Um, cactuses, you'll see cacti all over the place. And uh, some people, you know, some restaurants actually pick them and they make falafels out of the uh, cacti. And uh, one of the other things it's popular for, and I don't know, I guess I'm just from Long Island where, you know, there are plenty of sand dunes and beaches and stuff like that. We never really got excited about the dunes, but these dunes are popular and this probably they're probably way nicer. You have some beautiful dunes. The best spots for sand dunes are up near the lighthouse, the California lighthouse. And um and why do they call it the California lighthouse? I'll tell you why, because there was a ship and like we said, this is the shipwreck capital of the world. A ship sank. It was called the Californian, right off the uh who the U.S. California, the SS California, sank right off the tip of uh, Aruba, the north, I guess, little eastern tip of Aruba, sank there, and they called, they named the uh, lighthouse after it. I don't know, that's kind of uh, a dubious distinction, right? That lighthouse did not do much for that ship to not sink, so let's just name it after it. Who knows? All right. They also have an aloe farm tour, uh, you know, mixed reviews on that as well. I don't know. Could be like the Bacardi factory. Sounds like a money grab. You got to be careful with these tours. Research them heavily because a lot of times they just, oh, you know what? Let's put this up here. Let's make some money off of it. And you know what? Waste about two hours of your day. <laughs> um, and, uh. So the dunes, the dunes, you'll find uh, some really nice sand dunes if you're into that on Arakak National Park and also by the California Lighthouse. Basically bookending the entire length of the island. One, one, one side is the north side and the south side, the extreme north and south, you'll find the, the sand dunes. To me, like I said, Long Island was just, you know, the sand dunes we had them, but a lot of times there was weeds growing out of them and it was just a great place to go get Lyme disease at. Either way, who knows? All right, I asked you guys to weigh in on your Aruba recommendations, and uh, you guys did. So I want to read off some of your suggestions when it comes to this happy island. All right, Cindy. Cindy says, uh, find the driver named Bully. The best tour ever. Look him up on TripAdvisor or Cruise Critic. Very recommended. So this is uh, this is what you love about cruising, and this is what you love about the freaking internet. This guy, Bully. I don't know who he is, but I can already tell you who he is. I met him in St. Martin. You know, in St. Martin, he was, uh, who, what was his name? I don't know. What was it? Oh, he even had a son. Um, little Caleb. He, he just, he had a nickname and then he had a little son and his little son was adorable. He was like five years old and he goes, I'm little so-and-so. Like if the guy's name was, uh tiger he goes i'm little tiger and he was like running around and this guy was he'd get you everything he'd get you your cab he'd get you your, your he'd bring you your food he'd 
get you your um, lounge chair, snorkeling equipment. It's like a one-stop shop. It sounds like this guy, Bully, um, although the controversial name in this climate, ladies and gentlemen, we don't we don't endorse bullying here. You know, I'm sure it's you know nothing. You know, same thing with douchey. You know, up here, douchey means you know you're acting like you know you should be in a you know on the Jersey Shore, but uh, down there it's actually very nice. Maybe it's the same thing with bully. Bully maybe need may need something very uh, accommodative, and uh, you know, service oriented. So. Uh, I, my point is, is that Cindy, you mentioned this guy, Bully, and this guy clearly made a name for himself. Clearly, he's a good marketer. He's got a catchy nickname. And uh, you know what? He's the guy. If you're down in Aruba, Cindy says, check out Bully. He will take care of you. Um, okay. Thelma and Matt Rogers, my buddies. How you guys doing? All right. Hope all is well. Uh, looking forward to uh, they going to Cuba soon. We helped them book, and uh, we're excited about hearing about that trip to Cuba. Thelma and Matt say Baby Beach. He has told me this personally as well, and I believed him. Uh, Baby Beach, there's nothing quite like it on the island. Most of the cove there is three to five feet deep. Now, I saw, I did see this. You know, you, I think you, oh, yay, this is you. You attached this picture. And uh, they sent the picture. It looks amazing. I mean, this looks like a legitimate pool. You know what I mean? Like how, like, if you look at St. Thomas, Megan's Bay Beach, it looks like it's, like, kind of cut out before you go into the main body of water, which is the Caribbean Sea. This is a very similar situation, but this is, like, almost like um, three to five feet, but this looks like three to five square miles. Well, not square miles, but maybe, like, three or four square miles, and the whole thing is three to five feet. Water looks almost literally translucent. I, I'm like, this is a helicopter shot that Matt sent in. And I think you could probably see some rocks at the bottom of this freaking cove. It looks gorgeous. Um, anyway, he goes on. Three to, feet, three to five feet deep. It has some of the best snorkeling with minimal currents. And the best part is if you go early, you'll have the whole place to yourself. Last time we went, we were the only ones there till about noon. So... That it really, really does look amazing. Baby Beach, we mentioned it before, and uh, Matt seems like he uh, seconds that notion. All right, moving on. Matt Allen says, Snorkeled on the Antilla shipwreck. Is an Antilla every time I see two L's, I want to say the Y? You know what I mean? I feel like that's how you're supposed to pronounce it, but then you got the A right after it, so it doesn't really make sense, and the I before it. So, Antia, maybe it's Antia. Yeah, it might be Antia. Let's go in Antia shipwreck. It was pretty cool, but also deep in deep water. It's great if you like free diving, but not much to see from the surface. Boat ride was a huge party, so everyone had fun. All right, Matt brings up a really, really good point here. And this is why this podcast, it's why I love this podcast and why it's valuable. Because this is a shipwreck. They're probably promoting this to the gills. you got to check out the Antia shipwreck. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's a shipwreck. But, you know, it's very, very interesting, fascinating. You'll see a real live ship that went down. But what they don't tell you and what Matt does tell you is that you got to know what you're doing. You got to be able to hold your breath for three minutes and you got to dive straight down. It's probably not great for kids. But what Matt also does include is the fact that it's a booze cruise on the way there. So that's not too bad. So it sounds like it's a huge party. Everyone has fun. So you get in the water a little bit and you have a good time. But, you know, it sounds like this. uh, They keep the, the rum flowing on the boat ride there. All right, moving on. Jody, what's up, Jody? How are you? They said she did that snorkeling excursion a couple of years ago. It hardly ever rains in Aruba, but they got heavy rain the day before we arrived, and visibility was pretty bad. 
I think she's talking about the same thing. The Antilla shipwreck or Antilla potato, potato, tomato, tomato, maybe even. Um, we did this. Uh, all right. So Dana says we did this in an absolute blast. And she is mentioning ABC Tours Aruba. All right. So uh, she's describing basically what she's saying. And same thing with Robin Bass. Robin says we rented a UTV. I don't know if that's a disease or a vehicle, like a dune buggy. It's not a UTV. Are you sure you don't mean an ATV? Am I coming off like an idiot? Is there really a such thing as a UTV? I know an ATV. I don't know. Who knows? We're going to put a, put this argument to bed. Um, is a UTV like a dune buggy from Aruba, Aruba, Arubiana, and drove all the way all, all the, over the island, exploring on our own. The Rubiana folks picked us up and dropped us off at the cruise port while, port while exploring. We went to the lighthouse, checked out Arakak National Park. And a bunch of other stuff. So that sounds awesome. Uh, so that's two back-to-backs. You got Dana and Robin both advocating to get some sort of a four-wheeler, um, ATV, and just explore on your own. You can go all the way from the lighthouse to Arakak National Park. You're ba- If you do that, you're pretty much covering the whole freaking island. Um, Kristen weighs in as well. Kristen Schultz also says the ATV tour was amazing. Okay, so... She's she's back now. We're back to the ATV. Now is this different than the UTV? I want to know that, Robin. Let me know. Is that a typo or is there a UTV? Some supercharged ATV. Let's get let's get to the bottom of that, please. All right, moving on. Kathy Collins Watkins. It doesn't always work out for cruising, depending on the time. But I love Jolly Pirates and Mumba Beach Bar after. Um, okay, so she's describing something that's time sensitive, I guess. Carol Clement says uh, Eagle Beach is beautiful. Michelle Snyder says Trikes of Aruba. They pick you up at the pier, and we finished at the pier. So she says Trikes. So this is also a sort of a all-terrain vehicle type thing, but it's a three-wheeler, hence the trike. So there's a picture of her on it right here. Oh, no, Michael. I'm sorry, Michael, not Michelle. <clears throat> Michael Snyder. It's a picture of him on, on it here. And... Uh, yeah, that that vehicle looks cool. That looks like it's you. Know, you probably get some. Probably looks like it uh, a little, maybe a little bit safer than a moped <laughs> for me, and uh, a little bit more stable, but also very very rugged. And there's a beautiful picture of the desert beach in the background and the water. So Michael Michael Snyder says, check out Trikes of Aruba. Um, Drew. Drew says, do an open-air bus around the island, ending at Eagle Beach. Drew, you are talking my language. I love the open-air buses. You know, you kind of just chill. You get a couple of drinks. We talked about the whole St. Thomas run, yada, yada, yada. Sounds like you do it on Aruba, too. The one thing about Aruba, I don't know. When I do that, I definitely prefer a little bit more elevation. You can get up there and see those views and look down on those beaches. But um, I definitely did hear about the open-air tours around Aruba. It does sound like they're fun. All right, Darren Lewis. What's up, Darren? How are you? Darren says the Rock Bridge and Lighthouse Tour is a ready waste of time. Beautiful beaches are much more commercial than other islands most cruisers are used to. All right, so yeah, so that makes sense. You get the commerciality of it because the fact that it is very, very popular. People are so loyal. So 
And it is almost like a, it's like the New York Yankees of islands. They have their shit together. They know what they're doing and, you know, they're ready to take your money. They are fully perfectly set up to take your money. And that's probably what Darren is talking about with the commerciality of it. You probably won't want for anything while you're there. You probably get Starbucks in every corner. It's probably like like Darren says, it's probably very commercial because you know what? It's very popular. That's why it just got inhabited. They came in and they took it over. The corp, the big corporate giants came in and they did their thing all over it. But that does not, to me, at least make it any less beautiful. Darren, no, have you been over to Arakak on the other side? I don't know. doesn't seem like there's going to be too many uh, chain restaurants or shopping malls over there. Maybe check that out next time. Oh, you are. You were at the Rock Bridge and Lighthouse. They were a waste of time. Um I don't know, man. I think if you look at it, like I think, you know, let me me stop for a second here. You guys tell me if I'm right or I'm wrong. So much of whether you judge something on whether it's going to be good or not is your perception going in, right? So, Darren, if they tell Darren, Darren, you go to Aruba, listen, give us 40 bucks for everybody in your family. We're going to put you in a car, an open-air vehicle, and we are going to take you to this amazing rock bridge. You have to see this rock bridge when you come to Aruba. If you don't, you are going to be regretting it for the rest of your life. You can never take back the fact that you went to Aruba and you did not see this amazing rock bridge. Now, with that type of buildup, you're going to go to the rock bridge and be like, what the hell is this? All right. Sounds good. This is this is the rock bridge you're telling me about? This is what I couldn't miss? However, at the same time, if you're just driving to Baby Beach on the west co- on the east coast of Aruba, and all of a sudden you look over and a clearing hits, and all of a sudden you got this beautiful water, white sand, cactuses, sand dunes, and then this wacky natural rock bridge coming right over the sunset, you'll be like, stop the car. What is that? And you'll be right. No, if nobody told you about it, my point is, and you just saw it, you'd probably be a little bit more, you know, same thing with movies, right? Somebody tells you, you got to see this movie. You're going to run over there. If you're not expecting it to be that good and you walk out, you know, that was pretty good. It's, I actually like that movie very much. People want to discover stuff on their own, but also it has to do a lot with the buildup. But Darren, I'm not poo-pooing your, you know, your suggestion here. If you say the Rock Bridge sucks, I'm sure to a lot of people it'll suck. But uh, let's see where it goes from there. All right. Deb, what's up, Deb? How are you? Deb Camp? we will be in Aruba next April, our first time there. So looking forward to this port review. Uh, you're going to have to remember this for a long time. Have Aruba trikes booked. Boom, there you go. So Michael, Deb is taking one out of your book, and uh, she's got Aruba trikes booked um, a year and a half out. Whenever she's going. <laughs> no, not really a year and a half. It's a little bit under a year. All right, Daryl. Daryl says, this hurts a little. We were supposed to go last April, but the port got canceled for weather. Looking forward to hearing about what we missed. Um, that sucks. But Aruba, it, that is not a tender, right? That's got a dock. It's crazy that they would have to cancel due to weather. Out of the hurricane belt, it's got a dock. Why would you have to miss Aruba? I wonder why. Tell us what happened. Was it just re- extra high season wind? I'm really, really curious as to that because you don't hear about Aruba as a as a port of call being skipped too often. Unless I'm wrong, Tommy at alwaysbebooked.com. Let me know. All right, Beth weighs in. Looks beautiful. Sounds great. Definitely a land vacation I intend to take. Now, Beth, you may not be wrong about this. As much as we love cruising and as much as I just can't pry myself away from cruising for my next vacation, despite a lot of other travel goals that I have, it's like, uh, you know, I... I, I I just I, I would want to go to Aruba to spend a couple of days there. I don't know though. I don't know. 
I think Aruba probably for me is more of a cruise port. You know what I mean? Again, me with the whole keep it moving type of thing. I like adventure, action. I like different changes of paces. I like a little bit of wild nightlife a little bit. I don't know. I think just the Virgin Islands in general is is, is where I would go in general if I was going to do a land vacation. But I definitely, after doing this research, I 100% am looking forward to going back to Aruba at some point. Uh, Juan, big shout out to Juan. Uh, He says, awesome news. We are going for... A week, three weeks from now. Holy crap, Juan, you go to Aruba for a week? Juan, you got to hook me up here. All right, 323 Getaway, as you know. You've heard Juan on the show before. Juan, we need a review on Aruba. Please come on the show via uh, message. Juan, big shout out to him. Great contributor, one of the legends of the Always Be Booked uh, Cruisers Lounge. And uh, shout out to Juan. And have a great time, Juan, when you're there. All right, Todd. Todd did NT. He did the NT shipwreck with two kids, and it was a little stressful, as it was deep water, and it was a really cool place if you don't have kids with you, and you can free dive, dive as stated above. So you got a free dive. I don't know. I'm free dive sounds like a lot of work. The catamaran had a decent open bar, so that's two mentions of <laughs> the the action to and from. So it sounds like there was a good time. There was a party. There was an open bar. So it sounds like uh, with the Antia shipwreck, getting there and coming back is half the fun, or in some cases, at least half the fun. Uh, Jeff just says, great timing. We leave on a cruise that stops in Aruba in two weeks. Hopefully, you know, we started this a couple of weeks ago. Jeff, hopefully you didn't miss this. Definitely uh, let us know how you did in Aruba. Uh, so hey, that's it. Use this information, guys, as you see fit. Either use it to, you know, choose cruise line sanction excursions or just maybe explore on your own. In any case, be careful and use good judgment. Um, what I would say is definitely, you know, this was not meant to tell you what to do or say this is, I choose, I think you should choose this excursion over this. What it is is to give you a bunch of ideas as a starting point based on the pretty extensive research that I did do. And, you know, if some of this stuff sounds good, check it out. If it sounds bad, check it out. Maybe I didn't describe it, you know, great. We live in a great world now. You got TripAdvisor, you got YouTube, you know. If you see something cool on TripAdvisor, it's described cool. You know, they say, all right, this is what you do here. This is what you can do. Okay, well, let's go on YouTube to see how really cool it is. And then it can sometimes back it up or it sometimes can just be anticlimactic. Um, but again, use it as a vehicle for research. Whatever you heard me say, if something does sound interesting, re-research it through whatever means you want to. And if you're going to Aruba, have a freaking good time and let me know how it went. Tommy at alwaysbebooked.com or... 323 getaway. Thank you guys for listening. Let's get into the emails. Hi, Tommy. I would like to support the podcast, but do not want to sign up for yet another account I have to manage, i.e. Patreon. Would you consider having a donation sent to you directly via PayPal? If so, I would love to listen to the extra weekly podcast. If you have a PayPal account, please send the email address. I will gladly send a donation however you would like annual, biannual, or monthly. I've been skipping around listening to the podcast and just listened to number 49 where you explained why you were moving to New York. This is where you shine. When you speak from the heart like you did with Anthony Bourdain, it's so refreshing to listen to a podcast that does not throw politics and political correctness. The Beatrix rapid fire Q&A was great. More please. 
With your people managing skills and music skills, it sounds like you would be a fantastic cruise director. Maybe the first ever country music cruise director. There are a whole bunch of us out there who would love that. They would have to build more ships to hold us all. Can you tell the story of how you came up with the terms pockets? I think it means pretty girls. Zippers, not so pretty girls. And cones, cruisers. You might have explained in previous podcasts and haven't found, and I and I just haven't found that one yet. Looking forward to the next podcast, Trish. Trish. All right, let's cover a few things. As far as the Patreon thing goes, uh, I'll message you privately on that. And uh, moving on, I appreciate your kind words, speaking from the heart. Like, what are you going to do? You're not going to have a successful podcast. Nobody's going to listen to you if you're trying to not be somebody who, if you're trying to be somebody who you're not. You know what I mean? So authenticity, connecting, informing, and entertaining, entertaining are my three, you know, credos here so that's all i want to do hopefully uh that comes along yes beatrix was amazing she surprised me with those q a's i thought they were phenomenal and yes beatrix if you're listening let's go you got to get the second 25 questions ready because you know there's just too much of a demand beatrix you've turned yourself into an always be book star great job uh, with your people matter all right so as far as being a cruise director you know a lot of people say that to me all the time i'm you know, at my job, I run around with the microphone. I do contests. I do games. Yes, I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to tell you. Yes, I'm tailor-made to be a cruise director 100%. However, no freaking way. I am not taking something that I love so much and have so much of a passion for and then making it a seven-day-a-week job where I have to sit on this cruise ship for 10 hours a day and this and that. I would never, and not even that I'm saying I, I have an in or could get hired, but I'm just saying I I, I love cruising so much. I just want to keep doing it two two times a year, maybe hopefully in the future more than that. But uh, I don't want to turn something I love so much into just a, you know, because they work here. You know what I mean? Like you're not, you know, you're working seven days a week. You see that, you know, when when you go on a cruise and the cruise director's off for the day. No, he's around. So um, that's what it is. All right. As far as uh, the term pockets, yes. Pockets is just a word. There's no pocket. It was just a transition word because, you know, when me and Stu first went on a couple of cruises, we had our eyes peeled for the girls. And if there was a group of girls, pocket on the left, pocket of, you know, like a pocket of resistance or a pocket of, um, you know, like a storm cloud. Pocket just means a, a bunch of a lot of things in a concentrated area. That's all that means. So we would just say pocket because we're not going to scream across the ship. Whoa, look at those, you know, girls over there. We're not going to do that. So we just pocket on the right pocket, 12 o'clock. We would just call it out. So the pot, they just got shortened to pocket in general. So the zipper thing, what? <laughs> I don't even remember what zippers was. People started running with zippers. Not that they, I didn't think they were not, not so pretty girls. I thought it was just like a pocket, maybe five or six of them and a zipper, maybe just like two or three of them. Maybe. I'm not sure. You guys tell me what a zipper is. I'll go with you guys can call that. Yes, cones, like we said. Uh, um, Trish, listen to or read the book Cruise Confidential. Um, and uh, you'll find out a lot about uh, just the back, the inner workings of cruising. I also have a Cruising Underworld episode. Check that out as well. And I did find out that they call us cones. Cones is, is, is just basically another name for barrier. Something you have the the crew has to walk around. <laughs> we're in their way, and we're annoying to them at all cases. And some people might get offended by that. To me personally, I find it refreshing. 
We all have jobs and we all have things about our job that we don't like doing and we find it annoying. And I just think it's refreshing to know that these are not robots. These are people who come to work and they get stressed out. And like Juliana said on the, uh, you know, uh, tourist to local episode, she said she worked on a cruise ship and she's like people. She basically was a nice way of saying people, you guys are morons. You guys are all morons because... The truth is, yes, we do. T- we tend to turn our brains off on vacation. So we'll just ask these just moronic questions. And, you know, a cone, a cone is in your way. A cone, you have to go around. A cone is uh, impeding you from getting to where you want to be. And that's what we are on, cru- on cruise ships to the cu- the crew. Um, but, yeah, I'm happy to repeat it. Hopefully, you know, you guys said that. I know a lot of people know that already, but just wanted to repeat it for Trish. Hi, Tommy. Hope you are well. I enjoy your podcast and was listening to your latest episode, Just Us. And you mentioned the Carnival Naughty Letter. I was recently on the Carnival Sunshine this past May, and my dear husband received one of these letters. He likes to bring his mini hookah when he travels and enjoy it during vacations. This time around, he brought his large one and didn't pack all the parts and didn't pack all the parts in his carry-on bag. I didn't know this at the time until we received our luggage and there was the naughty letter. It basically stated that he had been it basically stated that he had a prohibited item which was part of the hookah and was not allowed it was not allowed on the ship and it had been discarded. Yes, it was thrown away. He looked at the letter for a few minutes and read it again, over again a few times. The sad truth was that it was gone. My dear husband looked disappointed, but we continued on with our lovely Southern Caribbean vacation. These letters do exist, and I assume they don't uh, they don't bring you down to the naughty room anymore. Continue to do you and bring us a great entertainment on your podcast. By the way, I am booked. Happy cruising, Maria. Um... That's crazy to me. They didn't bring uh, the naughty room. I don't know if it exists or not. I've been to the naughty room back in the day, back when, you know, a couple of times we tried to bring the booze on the boat and um, on the ship. And uh, yeah, they brought you down to the naughty room. I don't know if it exists or not, but I'm kind of surprised, shocked and borderline offended that they would just take it upon themselves to throw away your personal property. I would have an issue with that. I mean, if you want to take it, confiscate it, tell me I can't use it, hold it till the end, whatever. Uh, but to th- discard it and just basically take it to you, take it from you like it's uh, like you were playing something in school as a school child, and like no, it's mine. Uh, I don't know about that. I don't like that. Um, I would have had something to say to them. I would have had a couple of complaints. You know, maybe. I don't know what it was, actually. I'm not a hookah guy, so I don't know what those parts were. Maybe they could have deemed to have been dangerous. I don't know. I, I really don't know. But uh, uh, who knows? I, it's kind of bewildering to me that they would just take your personal property. But I guess that's what it is. And uh, I'm glad you finished the rest of your vacation having a good time. And I am glad you're booked. Thank you, Maria. Uh Write us again soon. Uh, by the way, email Tommy at alwaysbebooked.com or 323 Getaway. Be a part of the show, ladies and gentlemen. All right, moving on. Hi, Tommy. I wrote earlier about shortening your podcast. Oh, we found you. This is the guy. I am pleased that you did not follow my advice. A 45-minute podcast would be a, lose a lot of the charm of the longer podcast. What I do is listen to your podcast in chunks. Also, being a teacher with summers off, I have all the time in the world to listen to your podcast in the entirety. So what do you want me to do? You want me to keep them long during the summer because you're off and then when you got to go back to work, I'll shorten them up for you? (laughs) I'm just kidding. Um, I enjoy when you chat who 
you are listening to in country music. Keep on podcasting, Scotty Mac. Scotty, I appreciate it. Um, yeah, no, I always like to incorporate some music into the podcast as much as possible. Yeah, I think a lot of people listen to the podcast in chunks, and I listen to three-hour podcasts that are done several times a week. And yes, I listen to them in chunks. If you have long commutes, if you have stuff to do, sometimes it's music, sometimes it's podcast. That's just how I roll. I do realize that they're long, and I think if you did listen to it in one sitting, it's sometimes you're listening to it and you're dialed in, and sometimes it's just back background noise that's just how it is for me i tune out tune in come in i come and go mentally and uh yeah when i only have a half hour commute that's back and forth that's three commutes for me three days for me three days for me of commuting if it's a three-hour podcast so that's how i do it but um i'm appreciative that you came around scotty i did put it out there because i was wondering you might be right i take advice i don't know want to need to be right i just want to get it right you know what i mean so i listened in and put it out there and then there was like an onslaught and it's they're still coming in do not shorten the podcasts yeah and that's was one of the things that i was just curious about like why would you care how long it is when you can just turn it off you know what i mean all right moving on hey tommy like you i am a huge cruise nerd however i recently returned from my first resort experience i was at the hard rock hotel and casino in punta cana dominican republic i went back and re-enlist listened to your podcast comparing cruising to the resort experience here are my takes your buddy Stu was pretty spot on with his analysis the biggest difference from my trip was the room size and comfort far exceeded any cruise cabin i've been on the haven even the haven included so he was on the haven it's still bigger and better the shower itself was the size of the entire bathroom on most standard cruise cabins uh, he wasn't exaggerating by saying the rooms are four to six times the size of cruise cabins if not more plus all rooms at my resort included a balcony and a hot tub in the room the campus was huge gorgeous and impeccably maintained i didn't see a speck of dust or filled up trash can anywhere there were 13 pools ranging from adults only to the party pool to the chill to the children and family pool to a lazy river chair hoggers was a non-issue the resort had a casino which i loved i know you love your blackjack so if you ever decide to try a resort get one with a casino it was huge active and had sports lounge with sports betting available as well that's actually really cool uh, they don't have sports betting on cruises there was an entire desk and staff on site selling numerous excursions if you wanted to experience the fun outside the resort basically you lose out on the tight-knit camaraderie and seafaring adventure of cruise vacations for a more relaxed comforting experience with a beach at your beck and call and at all times i'm still in love and married to cruising but an all-inclusive resort is a great side chick and i will certainly try out more in the future keep up the great work dj dj sounds like um yeah you know you you kind of confirmed a lot of the things that we talked about and it, it makes sense it just at the end of the day it comes down to personal preference i get i say it all the time dude I get why people don't like cruising. Cruising is not for everybody. And I think that's a lot of it why we're so like a tight-knit community of cruisers. I'll say that about uh, just like Aruba. People who cruise are very, very into cruising. It's just this journey that we go on. It's an adventure that we're going on. We're we're taking on new things. We're seeing what the day brings. We don't know what's going to happen in Aruba. When you wake up in an all-inclusive resort, you're waking up to the same view every day. I don't know, cabin fever maybe? I don't know. I just like that it continues to go on. To me, the, the word is you're on a journey. You're on an adventure. You know what? You're at the mercy of the sea. Uh, you can't get any more connected with the ocean 
than with a, than being in the middle of it on a cruise. And I just love it. That's that's what I do. And it's just a matter of personal preference. But I appreciate the review. This was pretty uh, informative. It was really cool to know now that there is a sports book at the uh, casino when it comes to all-inclusive. And yes, I would expect that. I would expect if you're on an all-inclusive resort, everything's more spread out. There's probably a little bit more of a comfort level there. That makes sense to me. But, uh, you know, I shouldn't knock it till I tried it. But to this point, I can't take myself off a cruise ship yet. All right, moving on. Hi, Tommy. I wanted to say that your talk about suicide was touching. I have a 44-year-old that has dealt with those thoughts since I was around nine years old. First time I remember thinking about it. I am grown now and I have not and won't let them consume me, probably out of stubbornness. Ha ha. I have five kids and would never act on the thoughts and affect their lives so negatively. It's something people like me have to deal with every day, even the really good days. It's odd because most people have the self-preservation built into them, so it makes me feel like I'm an outsider a little. Nobody outside my wife and family would ever know I have these thoughts pretty much every day because I don't portray them outwardly. Ironically, my wife is a therapist. Oddly enough, just want to let you know that I appreciate your thoughts. Anyways, thank you for your shows. They are great. Thank you, Jason. Jason, what's up, man? Um, Appreciate the email. The only thing I really will say about this is, first of all, I'm sorry for the struggles that you go through every day, and I'm sorry that you have those thoughts, first and foremost. I can't say I can relate to it, or, you know, it's funny because, you know, you come across people who have, whether it's suicidal thoughts or anxiety or depression or whatever, and it's so hard. Like, you don't know what to say because you almost can't say anything. You know what I mean? I've said things to somebody to help them because they told me they were depressed and then they just look at you saying uh listen i appreciate you trying to help me but um you know you just basically writing the manual for what you're not supposed to say to people with depression so you know what i don't know what the hell to say uh you know jason when it comes to you you're not asking for me to say anything i know that um i also am not going to on this show pretend that i have anything close to what you would consider expert advice or help or whatever. But I do know, for me, sometimes it just helps blowing off steam. It helps knowing that someone else is out there. It helps having a companion. When I Are you kidding me? I went through stuff. You went through stuff. I threw on Bill Burr Money Morning Podcast every day, and that took me right out of it. it. took me right out of the BS I was dealing with. So if I can provide that, then that's something I'll always be very, very proud of and happy for. But Jason... Uh, Man, just, you know, you're part of the Always Be Built community. You know what I mean? That's it. You're, we're here. I hope you're in the lounge. If you're not in the lounge, Always Be Booked. Cruisers Ultra Lounge on Facebook. Uh, hang out with us, man. Post stuff. Let's get some conversation going. And, uh, again, being a total moron when it comes to trying to help out or anything like that, you're not, not that you're asking for. I know you're not asking for any help, but, you know, it is, it does, you know, <laughs> Hurt. It, it it makes you feel a little sad when you know that someone, especially someone in a computer in your community that you started, um, feels that that way every day and goes through something like that. So everybody out there, just know, you know, Jason, Jason, join the join the community. Just be be around. We're around. Let's c- continue to keep the dialogue going. And I want to thank you for listening. And if there's anything we could ever do for you, um, you know, definitely call in three two three getaway. 
or uh, write Tommy at alwaysbebooked.com or post in the lounge, and we're all just going to hang out. That's all we could say. You know what I mean? I don't know what the hell I'm doing out here. We're just hanging out. We're just existing. You know, we're just existing, being ourselves around a topic that we just love, which is cruising, and, uh, you know, whatever other topics come up along the way, uh, so be it, even even better. Hi, Tommy. Uh, I got to say that I am very offended that you made fun of the dead people cruise. It hits close to home with me because I died last week. And where else are people supposed to go to remember and mourn me? Your sense of humor is very offending. I'm just kidding, man. Thought it was an odd place for it myself. Who am I? Whatever floats your boat is cool with me. Anyways, keep it going, man. I listen to the podcast all day while working. So the longer the podcast, the better for me. Look forward to hearing more episodes. Jay. Is that the same Jay that just wrote the other email? This this email is regarding the um there's a bereavement cruise out there and somebody asked me uh if I'd be interested in doing a feature on it or appearing on the podcast or or having somebody from the bereavement cruise. It's like the theme cruise. You have the Florida Georgia line, you have the uh practical jokers stand up comedy, you have all these theme crews, and this is a cruise about um, you know, uh just grieving. Grieving over loved ones. I don't know. Like I said, my mind goes into a little bit of a sick place. And I, I'm one of those people who just kind of like, no matter what, I'll try to find humor. No matter what it is, right or wrong, judge me all you want for that. But that image to me, I'm not going to sit here and lie to you and tell me that doesn't crack me up a little bit. Um, With the fact that everybody getting on the boat, like I just, what I... <laughs> it's so bad i'm so sorry whoever i'm offending i'm so sorry but i have just automatically I, I i just this image of my mind gets conjured up of just people doing conga lines and limbos and electric slides and then like you know 10 feet away there's people all dressed in black with their heads bowed grieving I, it just to me that's that's an, it's a walking snl skit to me but if my serious thoughts on it are absolutely whatever gets you through it. If you, you know, if, if putting a whole cruise together of people in mourning is something that is therapeutic to you guys, uh, I think that's great. I probably wouldn't, it wouldn't be my way to grieve necessarily. I would want to get a little bit more separation between those two entities, but um, it is what it is. And if it helps anybody, if it helps one person, that's great. Jay, I don't know if this is the same Jay that just wrote the last letter, but if it is, that's even better because J- Jason, you sound like a, f- a, a a good dude. That's just the, the first the first email. Sounds like a good dude that's got his stuff together, but just has to battle with these thoughts here and there. And then we turn around and uh, we go to an email about, you know, I got to say that I'm very offended that you made fun of the dead people cruise. It hits close to home to me because I died last week. That's hysterical. That I mean, that's why I love you guys. That's why I love this group. I love the people that follow this podcast. And we ain't perfect. We don't always know the right things to say. We're not necessarily trying to pretend we're you know, geniuses or anything. But we're all, like I said, just hanging out together. All right, Tommy. Uh, I respond to your call to action on the latest ABB podcast, episode 70, regarding the information about MSC and specifically the Meravia. While I was actually scheduled to sail on the seaside, I was able to do a winter Mediterranean cruise for $1,500 less for the same balcony cabin. Wow. And with airfare only $100 to Europe in the winter compared to South Florida, it was a no-brainer. 
airfare only a hundred dollars to europe is that real wow so yes that would be a no-brainer uh we have extensive experience cruising three with carnival one celebrity 11 royal caribbean four disney three holland america two norwegian cruises with another holland america cruise from amsterdam next week damn that is extensive experience Overall, I think MSC provides a good product at an exceptional price. Furthermore, the MSC Meravia is a spectacular ship borrowing elements from Royal Caribbean's Voyager, Freedom, and Oasis-class ships with their interior promenade and elements from the Quantum class with its aft theater that is uh, reminiscent of the 270 Lounge. The water park and ropes course is very similar to that found on a newer NCL or Carnival ship. Thus, in terms of design, they are very competitive. There were some misses. However, first, there are too many classes to book into, each offering different locations on the ship and different perks. Uh, Examples included from room service or not. They also don't provide water at meals unless you're from the United States. That's racist. And request the complimentary bottled water dining packages before boarding. I'm going to read that again. They also don't provide water at meals unless you're from the United States and request the complimentary bottled water. Okay, gotcha. So if you are from the United States and you request the bottled water, you'll get the water with dinner. Also, things like soft serve ice cream, which is included on most cruise lines, is only included for those on the drink package. <laughs> it's great. You want ice cream? You got to spend $700 on vodka and then we'll give you some ice cream. Otherwise, you have to pay and they charge you more for it, uh, more for it than the highly quality because it's highly quality, high quality gelato available elsewhere. Wait, otherwise you have to pay and they charge you more for it than the high quality gelato available elsewhere. Okay. In terms of food, we found the dining room to be very good overall, better in terms of accommodating allergies of any cruise line we've ever been on but no better in terms of quality. Most surprising, however, was how crowded the dining rooms were. It was very hard to navigate through the dining room to your table each night as there was no walking space between tables through the dining room. In addition, the portion size varies very dramatically. For some dishes, the servings were gluttonous yet skimpy on the other occasions. The downfall, though, was that the Lido Buffet and specialty dining. The Lido Buffet rarely changed from day to day. While the food was good, it quickly became boring. However, they did have pages on the tables to summon servers for bar service, which was nice. In addition, they had fabulous pizza, which made cheese uh, and made cheese fresh on board. After specialty, di- as for specialty dining, it was expensive and just not worth the price. And this is from sorry, someone who dined there for free. So we didn't like the specialty options, even though they were for free. And if you had to pay for it, you probably would have been disappointed is what I'm getting. At one of the restaurants, the portions were so small that we literally had to go to the buffet afterwards for more food as it was really a ta- uh, tasting than a meal. The Meravia also lacked grab-and-go or deck food options like a grill and burger joint, etc. Wow, yeah, see, that would be annoying. We did enjoy our cruise in the Meravia. We canceled the cruise we had booked on her next week and opted for Holland America's Koningsdam instead. While both sailed to Norway, we just didn't feel that the Meravia offered enough on-board activities and entertainment for a 14-day cruise, especially when a lot of the entertainment options are quite expensive. I... I, e.g. bowling was one euro per minute. Somebody get on the phone, tell me what this euro stuff is. Uh, we also know that the food would get boring given that the only options during the day were the buffet or main dining room. We would sell MSC. Would we sell MSC in the Meravia again? Absolutely, but not for a longer cruise. I would also 
I would also I also would only sail with MSC if I were booked in a Fantastica or better category class of cabin. Chris, sausage, not pocket from San Diego. <laughs> okay. Sausage, not pocket. That's a very, very important distinction. Thank you, Chris. Uh, P.S. I did a review on Doug's show of the trip, which aired on April 26, 2018, as we always say. Cruise Radio, you should listen to that show before you listen to this show. And it sounds like Chris did a review on the April 26th show of this uh, cruise that he just reviewed via email for us. Well, I appreciate the information, Chris. That's a lot, a lot of good stuff. Um, You know, it sounds like all the things that you do here about MSC is slightly exaggerated while still present. But the fact that he says he would cruise on them again, albeit for a shorter cruise, says a lot and we really really appreciate that information a lot of good stuff in there specialty dining eh Lido Lido buffet eh but the main dining room was good unless you're you know chubby like me and have to get up to go to the bathroom throughout your meal because you don't have to climb over people if you you know if, if you break if you if you break out from peanuts you know they got you back um you know a lot of good stuff there i appreciate it chris and uh Keep those MSC st- reviews coming because I really am curious to see if they are ready and they are uh, North American market friendly. Um, all right, moving on. Tommy, it was me who said breathing the air in Alaska is like breathing for the first time. Smiley face. Although I m- imagine anyone who has been there probably will tell you the same thing. So it was all of us. Tracy. Tracy, what's up? Regular, always be booked legend and frequent contributor. Yes, I was trying to figure out who said that. And me and you, Tracy, we go back and forth on the emails a lot. And uh, I should have known it was you who said that. And that is just, I mean, whether a lot of people do say it or not, maybe a lot of people think it, but you said it. So I would say that that is a great, I don't know, I can't think of a, a better endorsement for, you know, what do we like to do more than breathe, right? And if you like, taking in the air of Alaska is like breathing for the first time. <laughs> That's a great endorsement. So thank you for clearing that up. And uh, I do apologize for not giving you the shout out the first time around, Tracy. All right, <clears throat> moving on. Hey, Tommy. Yes, I did my first YouTube video. Let's see what this starts. Anyway, I did get your plug in and talk about putting in it, putting it awkwardly, but it's okay for not knowing what the F I am doing. You have to critique it and hear your plug for yourself i was thinking after my cruise instead of a phoner i just may do a weekend getaway to new york maybe we can do it somewhere up there just a thought anyway miss listening listening what's happening take care ben ben put a link in to a video that he did and uh shoot i'm gonna post it i'm gonna post the video in the lounge because i don't have it in front of me right now Ben made a YouTube video, and he was talking about MSC. He was talking about a few things. And uh, yes, and you're asking me to critique it. I am not an expert. Clearly, I'm not an expert on podcasting, <laughs> let alone YouTube videos. But uh, from what I saw, if you're asking me to critique it, first of all, I'm going to say it was great. You can make videos like that and do very, very well for a very, very long time. I thought it was awesome, Ben. But if you're forcing me to critique it, I will do that for you. What I noticed, if if you wanted to maybe make it better at times, what I would say, go in with maybe a little bit of an index card of talking points because the only critique I have 
is that maybe there were some pauses where it did definitely look like you were trying to figure out what you were going to say next. You were trying to decide what direction you were going to go. It was like you're pausing like as if like maybe, uh, all right, what's next? You know, where, you know what I mean? Which honestly, like I said, is just a nitpick. It was fine. The video was really, really good. You're good with the camera, handsome guy on camera. And then that last shot with the uh, cruise ship in the background, that was a money shot. That was great. That looked awesome. Um, and and you, you're, I think you're a natural on camera. I think you do very, very well. You're very good speaking voice. Yeah, you got to check the boxes. I would just say from a content standpoint, prepare have, you know, whether it's de- as detailed as or not detailed as you want to be, know where you're going to go to the next thing. So, you know, whatever your thoughts are, they're coming out and you're chocking it full of audible content. That's all I would say. Other than that, Ben, the video was phenomenal and I thank you so much for the plug. Following in my footsteps, I don't know, it might be a little uh, bit of a stretch. I don't know if these are the, <laughs> you may want to pick a different set of foot footprints or, or footsteps to uh, follow but uh, I do I am flattered by it and I do appreciate it and uh, good luck with that and yeah dude we got to get together I'll I'll I'll, uh, I'll come on or whatever whatever we're gonna do all right right now that is it for the emails I'm gonna play a couple of voice messages that I did get from 323 getaway this is your opportunity to get on the show we hope you guys call more often. We want to get you guys in on the action here. We want to have your actual, not just your email, but your voices heard on the Always Be Booked Cruise Podcast. And uh, we got a couple for you right now. Here we go. Hey, Tommy. Chris Lapine Christensen from San Diego, California, calling you aboard the Holland America Dam. We are at the North Cape of Norway, the most northern uh, point of continental Europe. And I just wanted to be... Uh, listener who called aboard a cruise ship. So uh, now you have one if you haven't had one call before. Hope all is well. Keep up the good work on the podcast, and I will talk to you soon. Take care. That is awesome. So we got an actual, actual live from the most northern tip of Europe on a cruise ship call. Definitely appreciate that. Thanks for weighing in on us. I am Tommy Rob Murphy down here, Pickaway County. Ohio, yeah. Hey, my accent, uh, I done come up through West Virginia, from Virginia down there, talk more like this in Virginia. Anyway, so most of the people around me don't talk like this, but but uh, we do like that country music. Just heard that DJ Ranch Diddy, Puffy Diddy. Uh, hey, I, got, I like that music you got up there. Anyway, got a, got a question for, for, you, for you, and maybe... Some of your friends or group members there. Uh, I'm, I'm ready to go on another cruise, and I'm ready to book one. We done went on one for spring break. I'm a school teacher, and worked for the state government. I got I got to stop it right there. I'm a school teacher, and we done went on one. Onward. In the summertime, but so I'm saving up my money for a cruise here. Got my two little kids. Them's three and five. The problem is my wife. She can't get no more days off work. Them's three and five. I'm a school teacher. And so she could take them unpaid. I guess that's one option. Just wondered what you and your group members were thinking about that. Like, like if she says go ahead, do I take the two kids? Although them's, they go on the cruises with us. But never just with me, because then, then that three-year-old, 
she uh she still likes her mama and so it'd be better if we all went just don't know what to do i'm ready to go tommy i'm ready to go on that next cruise but uh this is the pickle i'm in just trying to figure out what what other people out there do in that situation okay well thank you sir and we'll uh see you later you take her easy bob thanks so much for the email i mean i'm sorry for the phone call I would recommend definitely bringing the wife along. You know what I mean? It's hard sometimes. You got to figure out. You know, <laughs> Rob's great. How great is that character? That has got. An, I don't. I don't buy. I don't buy that it's you, Rob. I, I. I think that you're playing a character a little bit. That's fine. I'm down with that. That that works. But either way, it's a welcome addition to the show each and every week when you are able to bring it on. Three, two, three, getaway. Rob, I think you should wait for the for the wife. I do. I think you guys should cruise as a family. It may take a little time. If you had to get away, get away. Maybe do a weekend thing, a couple of days, whatever. But what I think is that you guys got a beautiful family. You got the kids. The kids still want to, like you say, they still like their mom. They want to, you know, they're... They, they 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 should we guys you guys should go together especially that that long of a trip seven days you definitely want to uh, maybe bring the whole family into the mix but uh, I do thank you for the email that's it for the show this week guys Tommy at alwaysbebooked.com. please hit me up with the emails uh, the always be booked cruisers ultra lounge face Facebook group please join also. Uh, rate review on itunes if you want to have access to a lot of the funny funny interviews that we're going to have coming up and if you want to support the show patreon.com slash always be booked uh again we're at 19 members if we get to 50 if we get to 50 patreons we are going to announce the group cruise so let us know once again as usual thank you for listening we will talk to you next time there's a place where the boat leaves from it takes away I love your big problems, you could worries, you could drop them in the blue ocean But you gotta get away to where the boat leaves from Take one part sand, one part sea, and one part shade of a nine-nine tree And the drinks are cold and the reggae is hot and I know this is the place for me Get away to where the boat leaves from, it takes away I love your big problems, you could worries, you could drop them in the blue ocean But you gotta get away to where the boat leaves from Perfectly good island somewhere Well, all right, the boats And don't grab your coat You won't need it where we are going Get away to where the boat leaves from It takes away all of your big problems You could worries, you could drop them in the blue ocean But you gotta get away to where the boat leaves from Pick me up Pick me up Pick me up Put me down down in the sand where it's cool Put me down And when I fall on my stool Put me down I'll just leave there till morning comes round With sunshine ten ladies And pina coladas And Bob Marley songs that I'm playing There's a song in my ear That I want you to hear Soft tropical lips that are singing Get away to where the boat leaves from It takes away All of your big problems You can worry You can drop them In the blue ocean But you gotta get away To where the boat leaves from So get away
get away to where the boat leaves from It takes away all of your big problems You got worries, you could drop them in the blue ocean But you gotta get away to where the So get away to where the boat leaves from It takes away all of your big problems You got worries, you could drop them in the blue ocean But you gotta get away to where the boat leaves from